Let us now give our attention to the reading and hearing of God's holy word. Doleth, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Remove for me the way of lying, and grant me the law, and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck into thy testimonies, O Lord. Put me not to shame. I will run the way of, the com- of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, we do give thee thanks for thy word, which, as the psalmist says, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We ask that as we meditate upon thy word this evening, that thou wouldst give us understanding, that we might indeed understand thy word, that we might have great knowledge of thy word, that we might meditate upon it. And so, as the psalmist reminds us, hide thine word in our hearts, that we might not sin against thee. So bless thy word tonight, and we pray that thou, would re- that thou wouldst receive glory, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I trust you are continuing to work your way through memorizing the... Uh, Psalm 119, there's only 22 stanzas, so that should be uh, an easy task to do. Yes, that's right. I have not intended for that to be just simply a rote memory, as we often do, but it's designed to take, take each, each section and meditate upon that and consider what does it mean when the psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. To memorize God's word not only puts it in our head, in our minds, but it puts it in our hearts. And so we want to memorize Psalm 119 so that we might not sin against God. And so there's a purpose in that. I think last time I took you through a number of things to consider when you meditate upon the law of God. That it's not just some exercise where you just sit mindlessly uh, thinking of nothing, but you're, you're thinking upon God's word and what that means and what we are called to do. And so I trust that this will be a helpful exercise. Well, as we began there, looking at that first section of Psalm 119 in the Olive section, there the pilgrim begins his journey in following the Lord. And I picture there, as I think of the pilgrim, because that's really what is intended to see here in Psalm 119, the pilgrim on a journey. And it's like pilgrim there in Pilgrim's Progress, making a journey toward what? Toward the celestial city. But as he makes that journey toward the celestial city, there is so much that happens on that journey. And so the pilgrim there in that uh, first section, Aleph, begins his journey. And there in Bet 9 through 16, the psalmist is on his journey. And as he is on his journey, he begins to think as a young man, how might I cleanse my way by taking heed thereto 
according to thy word. And so the pilgrim on his journey has the word of God hidden in his heart. Then as we come to that section we saw last time, Gimel, we see there the psalmist seeks treasure with God. He seeks the treasure of God's word. He finds that the treasures of God's word are far greater than the treasures of this earthly world. And then a section that we come to tonight entitled um, The Weary Pilgrim. We find the pilgrim as he's wandering through the world. He's not just wandering aimlessly, but it's like Abram. He's taking his family and he is sojourning through the land. And I think that's the idea here in verses 25 through 32, that he is sojourning, that he's making a journey through the land. Sometimes that sojourning, we, we stop and we rest for a while. Perhaps we, we set our roots down. But as we sojourn through the world, as he says in verse 19, what we saw last time, I am a stranger in the earth. The world is not my home, so I'm just passing through. And so here the weary pilgrim finds in God's law that respite for his soul. Now this is a psalm of lament in verses 25 through 32. We don't often see that in Psalm 119. And it's a psalm of lament. He's not lamenting over his enemies. He's not lamenting over those who persecute them. Him. He's not even lamenting over the affliction that he experiences, but he is lamenting over his sin. And I think that's something we, we often forget as we, we work our way through this. But you come to verse 25, and the psalmist says, and this is a prayer, the entire length of Psalm 119 is a prayer. And so as we've talked about prayer the last number of weeks, we've talked about the model of the Lord's Prayer. Here's another model to pray, that when we pray, we might pray that the Lord would cleanse our ways, that the Lord would indeed cause our hearts to long for his precepts. But there in verse 25, the psalmist says that sin is the heaviest sorrow upon him. He says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. Here the the idea that he brings out in verse 25 is what we find David in Psalm 51. Did David not feel the heaviness of his sin? Did not David say that he had sinned against the Lord? Did not David cry out in repentance before God there in Psalm 51? If you turn your Bibles back for just a few moments and think upon Psalm 51. I think this is the thought of what the psalmist introduces here in this section of Psalm 119. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions and wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression. And what's he say there in verse 3? My sin is ever before me. But notice what the psalmist says there in verse 4. Against thee, thee only have I sinned, done what is evil in thy sight. And so here David acknowledges that his sin is the heaviest sorrow. It's not Absalom 
are, it's not his enemies coming against him, but it's David here finding that his sin, the weight of his sin, indeed is too much. And so the pilgrim here, in the weary battle that he faces in life, finds that his sin is the heaviest sorrow. The pilgrim is weary from battling against sin. And here he brings his complaint before the Lord. His soul cleaves, his soul sticks to the dust. That's the the word that is used there in verse 25. My soul uh, sticks to the dust. My soul um, is attached to the dust. It's an expression of feebleness. The psalmist here expresses in in some of the most ancient language that his soul cleaves unto the dust. In the Hebrew world, the ancients would cover themselves in sackcloth and ashes in times of affliction, in times of of, uh, repentance, in times of mourning. They would cover themselves in sackcloth and ashes. And here the psalmist using that language of my soul cleaving unto the dust finds that his sin is so heavy upon him. The weight of his sin is so heavy. He appeals to the Lord Jesus Christ for that healing balm for his soul. And here we find in Psalm 119 that it is the Lord Jesus Christ who has experienced that weight of sin upon his soul, not his sin, but our sin. And as Jesus felt the weight of sin upon him, he prayed there on the cross. He said to the Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? The Lord Jesus Christ for a season felt forsaken of the Father because the wrath of the Father was upon him for the sins of his elect. And so the psalmist would pray, that my soul cleaveth unto the dust. This expression of his soul cleaving unto the dust is this expression of lying in dust without any strength. The psalmist can't raise his head. The psalmist has no strength to rise up. And so he he cries out in agony unto the Lord, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. But what's the... The second half of that verse, here's the, here's the remedy. Quicken thou me according to thy word. This idea of quickening me is this idea of reviving my soul. We saw there this evening as we were looking through the larger catechism that the Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts. But we don't often pray for the quickening work of the Holy Spirit. That's kind of an element missing in Reformed circles today. I appreciate much of Martin Lloyd-Jones on this teaching that we should often pray that the Lord would quicken our souls, that the Lord would revive our souls. If the Lord does not revive us, if we don't pray and ask and seek the Holy Spirit to quicken us, to, to bring revival to our souls, then we remain dead. And oftentimes believers can be under the heavy weight of sin and need that quickening of the Spirit. They need that reviving of the Spirit. They need that reviving of that religion. 
in their soul, not just in their mind, but in their soul. And so we need that experience with the Holy Spirit that he would bring us to life, that he would revive our souls yet again. As we look at this section, verses 25 through 32 in the Dalit section, we find five verses that begin with my ways. We see verse 26, I have declared my ways. Thou heardest me. Make me understand, verse 27, the ways of thy precepts. Verse 28 or 29, remove from me the way of lying. Verse 30, I have chosen the way of truth. I will run the way of thy commandments. So here as the psalmist begins to pray that God would quicken his soul, there's a sense in which he begins to express the ways that he has before the Lord. And so as he is weary from the sin, as he's weary from the weight of his sin, he begins to pray that the Lord would bring him life, that the Lord would strengthen his soul. If you go back to Psalm twenty-two, sixteen, the thought is raised here in this Psalm of David, in twenty-two, sixteen, where the psalmist says, For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. So here's that expression that is used in a messianic sense of the Lord Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross before he, he gives up the ghost as we find there in the Gospel of Luke, he finds himself weary. He finds himself compassed about by the wicked. And so he uses this expression, cleaving to the dust. As you go back to Psalm 119, you see there in verse 25, what we have just read. You see in verse 26, that I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. You see in verse 29, Remove from me the wave line, grant me the law, thy law graciously. And verse 31, I have stuck, or I have clinged unto thy testimonies. Put me not to shame. And so here the psalmist, as a pilgrim, is expressing to the Lord his desire that his soul would be revived, that he would not be lost under the weight of sin. This is not a picture of a man who has no desire um, for the Lord. This is not a picture of a man who has no desire for his statutes, for his ordinances, for his commands. This is a picture of a man who is a pilgrim, Cleaving, clinging to the testimonies of God. That's all he has to cling to. Verses 26 and 27, we note there, My ways, 
as opposed to the ways of God. I have declared my ways. Teach me thy statutes. Note the, note the contrast there. Note the contrast as well in verse 27. Make me understand the way of thy precepts, so I shall talk of all thy wondrous works. So we see the contrast with the faithfulness of God. But as we just think upon this psalm tonight, and as we meditate upon this, and hopefully this was helpful to us, as we begin to think, what is the psalmist talking about here? Perhaps some particular ways that we can pray for the weight of sin in our own lives. I'm sure we all have various sins and weaknesses that we, we encounter in our lives, and yet we want to pray that the Lord would quicken us, that the Lord would give us understanding. But notice verse 27. We've talked um, in Family Bible Hour about understanding, about knowledge. In order to keep the commandments of God, don't we have to understand those commandments? And so the psalmist says, make me, this is his prayer, make me understand the way of thy precepts, so I shall talk of thy wondrous works. The greatest testimony a believer has is speaking of the wondrous works of God to those that we know, to our friends, to family, to those who do not know Christ. We declare the wondrous works of God But the evidence of that is in how we give credence to the precepts and the commands of God. If we give no thought to the commands of God, yet we talk of God, isn't that hypocrisy? And yet if we understand his truth, if we understand his precepts, then we can declare his ways unto others. I have declared my ways And thou heardest me, therefore teach me thy statutes. As the pilgrim cleaves or clings to the testimonies of God, here is his hope, here is his consolation, that he will find renewing and revival of his spirit. Verse 28, my soul melteth for heaviness. Here is is language that's used in the Hebrew Psalter that we perhaps don't understand. My soul melteth. It's that picture of seeing a soul melting under the heaviness, under the weight of his sin and his guilt. But the psalmist prays, strengthen me according to thy word. Notice in verse 29, remove from me the way of lying. Here's a contrast. Here Here is... how oftentimes Hebrew poetry is used. There's a contrast. The way of lying and the way of thy law. Psalm 1, the way of the righteous and the way of the unrighteous. And so he prays, Lord, remove from me that way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. Notice in verse 30, the psalmist says, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. How can this pilgrim choose the way of truth? His heart has to be changed, first of all. He has to have a new heart and a new mind. He has to have a desire to do those things. I've said this before, but this is something I've learned from going through the training for um, 
the biblical counseling accreditation is people do what they want to do. Why do people do the things that they do? Because they want to do what they do. They have no desire to do anything differently. And yet the psalmist says, I've chosen the way of truth. I've not chosen the way of the liar. I've not chosen the way of the ungodly. I've not chosen the way of the world. I have chosen the way of truth. And that's something as we consider tonight, as we meditate upon this, as we put this to memory, have we chosen the way of truth? For you young people, perhaps some of you that are slinging hamburgers or, or uh, giving hamburgers to customers that come in, and you're there among unbelievers. Can you say you've chosen the way of, of truth? Can you say that when you speak, truth comes from your lips? When you're hanging out with your friends, can you say that you've chosen the way of truth? That your desire in your relationships and in your association is one of truth? We heard this morning about there is no truth in the streets. Truth is fallen. We live in a day when there is no truth, but the psalmist says, I've chosen that way. And that is the way of the pilgrim, to choose the way of truth, to have the judgments of God laid before me. And then as he comes to the conclusion of this, here is the hope and the consolation that he finds in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have stuck this is, a, this is a great way to end this. I have stuck. I have clinged unto thy testimonies. Put me not to shame. This is a serious prayer of the psalmist. This is not just those prayers that we often just utter up, those prayers that are quick prayers. This is a, a, this is a deep prayer that the psalmist prays, and I trust that it is a prayer that we can learn to pray. Isaiah says there in Isaiah 40 that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. To wait upon God, to pray unto the Lord, we find new strength. We find strength for that weary travel. Oh, the travel through this valley of death is a difficult travel. There's winding and in difficult roads that we walk. And yet in that journey, let us with that weary pilgrim find rest in the Lord Jesus Christ who said, Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Those of us who are believers are pilgrims. Oh yes, we get weary. Trust me, your pastor gets weary. And yet we find that the reviving and the strengthening that we need comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes from that reviving of His Spirit. But He concludes there with 32. I love the ending here of this section. I will run the way of Thy commandments when Thou shalt enlarge my heart. Oh, the language that the psalmist uses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is amazing. 
because the Lord enlarges his heart because he has a desire for the things of God. And so he says, I run the way of thy commandments. I don't just leisurely walk, but I run. And this, this metaphor of running the way of his commandments entails that eagerly running, that pursuing that life of obedience. Perhaps some of you have seen that movie. I've only seen it about eight times. But when I first saw Chariots of Fire in college, uh, when I was a member of the Baptist Student Union, they decided, let's watch this movie. And I had never seen it. And I would commend it to you because it is a wonderful movie about the life of a Scottish runner who later became a missionary to China. And there, in that movie, the runner is competing in a race, and he's having a dialogue with his sister. She's trying to discourage him from going to China. And he says, God has called me to go to China. But he says, God has always also given me the skill to run and to run fast. There in that movie, he says, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. And as I see him running in that movie, it is that picture that I see here. That he's running. That he's eagerly pursuing after something. And so as we think upon this psalm, let us run Let us go with that eager desire to follow after the commandments of God when the Lord our God renews our hearts. There in Psalm 40 and verse 8, we see there in that Psalm of David that there is a trust in the Lord, that there is this prayer of salvation. In verse 8, or ver- actually verse 7, Then I said, Lo, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is written within my heart. Who is David speaking of? He's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the Lord Jesus Christ came to do the will of God, that the Lord Jesus Christ had the law of God written upon his heart. And there he says, I delight to do thy will. And we cannot delight to do the will of God. We cannot run after God and find pleasure in his commands if our hearts are not changed. And so we eagerly want to run. We want to pursue that life of holiness. We want to pursue that life of obedience. But because the Lord Jesus Christ in his humiliation willingly went to the cross to take upon himself our sin, he also gives unto us that perfect obedience. He imputes that to us. So that it can be said of you and I that we delight to do the will of God. And so, 
I would call you and urge you as you think upon this command, upon these verses here, that we would hide God's word in our hearts, that we would run, that we would pursue his commandments. Because there's no other greater delight for the believer than to find his joy and to find his satisfaction in obeying Christ and obeying his commands. And so may God give us strength that we would run in the way of his commandments. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we do give thee thanks that thou didst come into this world to take upon yourself our sins, to bear in your own body upon the tree the weight of our sin. Oh, what a heavy weight indeed it was. But you willingly laid down your life for us that we would not know the shame and the guilt of our sin. But Lord, we would plead with thee tonight that we would cleave, that we would stick unto thy testimonies, that we would run the way of thy commandments, that we would delight to do them. And so, Lord, give us hearts of obedience. Give us hearts that would desire to keep thy commands. And in our meditation and in our memory of these verses, may we indeed find our hearts delighting in your law. May we find the weight of sin decreased because we're not weary from the weight of it because you have taken the weight of our sin. But revive our souls, O Lord, we pray. We might, like that pilgrim, continue to journey toward that celestial city finding that our strength does not come from our own journey, that strength doesn't come from anything in us. The strength and the power of that journey comes in resting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so give us hope, give us encouragement, and give us consolation as we trust in Thee. We ask this in Thy holy and precious name. Amen.